A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024, the 1078th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms. And of course, Rumble, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So yesterday we talked about my approach to 2024 and how I want to focus on the biggest and most important issues. And among those, of course, is the fact that our elections in the United States of America are rigged and stolen. There is no reason for anyone to believe that the reported results from our elections 
accurately reflect the will and intent of the American voter. There is not a single election in our land that any voter should have any confidence in. And if I am tearing down your faith in our democracy, then wonderful. No one should have any faith in quote unquote our democracy as if our democracy is in any way ours. It is their system, the system put in place by the global regime through systematic infiltration and manipulation of our government and its processes. Our country was not designed to be a democracy and with good reason. And of course, it is absolutely imperative to note that when we are told it is a democracy by the very people rigging and stealing elections, we should be clued into the fact that labeling something as democracy is their way of saying to us, hey, sorry about your country, but this is what you chose. This is what you, the people, voted for. And it's not like they only do it in our country. They do it in countries all around the world. There is not an American adult anywhere who has not heard about the CIA rigging elections in other countries and installing leaders in other countries. That is a normal part of the process that we have heard about throughout our entire lives. And we always think, oh, thank goodness that country has a good American style leader in place Oh boy, I guess we've saved those people. Thank goodness the CIA is able to rig and steal elections in other countries and install leaders in these other countries because they're so backwards. It's actually better this way. If we let the people decide, then they might decide something that doesn't help advance American interests. And everybody knows that the entire point of quote unquote our democracy worldwide is to help advance American sovereign interests. And if you believe that, well, you're insane. In the view of the global regime, our democracy means that they have installed their system in a number of countries, and that number of countries represents a majority of all countries. So they install their leaders in each and every country, through what they call a democratic process, which means we have elections. Every citizen understands that an election took place. A result was reported. Now that is the democratically elected leader of the country where the election was held. You get enough democratically elected leaders in enough countries to represent the majority. And now the global governing body can say that its decisions are reached through a democratic process, and then they can make decisions for the entire world and all its people while never requiring a single democratically elected leader to be legitimately elected anywhere. In our country, you rig and steal some elections at the local level, in your town, a city, a county. You go throughout the state until you've done that in the majority of places so that you can take over the state's governing body. Then you change the state's election laws. And once you have enough states under control, then you can change things throughout the nation. And that's exactly what we see happening. And everyone would notice it except for the controlled opposition paradigm, which most people don't recognize. The Democratic and Republican parties are both serving the same interests. 
the Uniparty left and the Uniparty right are just part of the same thing. And if anyone questions any aspect of that system, that person is destroying faith in our democracy. And if everyone loses faith in that democratic process I have just described, well, then the whole project falls apart. They can't very well continue moving forward if no one actually respects the authority of any of these installed leaders to make decisions and quote unquote govern. And this should be relatively obvious because all the efforts that have been made over these last three plus years since the stolen elections of 2020 have been geared toward increasing faith in our democracy, not fixing the systems, just increasing that faith. Because all that matters is what the people ultimately believe. And if people were awake and aware of what was going on, they would find that fact to be a source of great empowerment. It actually only matters what the people believe. If the people don't believe in this election system, then the leaders they install must then attempt to govern without the consent of the governed which makes for, at best, a very volatile situation. Now, of course, they understand that, and in certain ways, they're not even opposed to that. They would be okay with an American civil war because they would get to take sides, support each side as each side destroys the other. They would make sure that all the things they really care about, certain pieces of land and resources, certain buildings, certain areas, those remain untouched while everything else is destroyed. People are no longer able to resist that global regime's enforcement measures, like, for instance, UN peacekeeping missions or the armies of foreign nations. And then they funnel global investments into the reconstruction process and own everything as it is rebuilt. The entire point is that they set things up so they can win no matter what. And if the people aren't going along with it, they will figure out a way to dispose of the people. And sure, it's messier that way, but that's why they offer everyone the opportunity to simply grovel and submit and repeat the slogans and obey. All of this starts with elections. The only thing more fundamental and foundational than the elections is, in my view, the currency. And I expect we're going to spend a whole lot more time on that this year than we have in the past. But at this point, we all have a decent background, at least in the problems with our election systems. So I want to focus primarily on that today because yesterday Donald Trump released a lengthy report on election fraud. But before we talk about that, let's get into an op-ed published yesterday in USA Today by a man named Ken Block with the headline, Trump paid me to find voter fraud. Then he lied after I found 2020 election wasn't stolen. Now, what amazing timing. What an incredible coincidence that this op-ed came out in USA Today the very same day that Trump released a 32-page long report on election fraud. What are the chances? Here is the op-ed. Can a steady diet of lies and innuendo overcome the truth? In November 2020, former President Donald Trump asserted that voter fraud had altered the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. 
The day after the election, his campaign hired an expert in voter data to attempt to prove Trump's allegations and put him back in the White House. I am the expert who was hired by the Trump campaign. The findings of my company's in-depth analysis are detailed in the depositions taken by the select committee to investigate the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol, otherwise known as the Unselect Committee, otherwise known as the Sham J6 Committee, otherwise known as the improperly formed January 6th Committee, the committee formed in violation of the House's own rules and thus carrying no legitimacy whatsoever. It was essentially a primetime television show. The transcripts show that the campaign found no evidence of voter fraud sufficient to change the outcome of any election. That message was communicated directly to White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Our findings have also been subpoenaed by Special Counsel Jack Smith's federal investigation and Fulton County District Attorney Fannie Willis's investigation in Georgia. Those emails and documents show that the voter data available to the campaign contained no evidence of large scale voter fraud based on data mining and fraud analytics. More important, claims of voter fraud made by others were verified as false, including proof of why those claims were disproven. Now, that is just a mess of words and ideas that actually doesn't really assert any factual claim whatsoever. So his findings were subpoenaed. He had submitted them to Mark Meadows directly. Someone on the campaign hired him. And according to Block, based on his analysis, there was no evidence sufficient to overturn the outcome. Already a ridiculous standard, and we will get into that later. But the idea that we can be presented with two numbers that are wholly unsubstantiated in themselves, and then a demand is made to make up the difference in those numbers is preposterous on its face. But nonetheless, that is the framing we have had to deal with for these last three plus years. Now, he also says that the voter data available to the campaign was what was used. That data contained no evidence of large scale voter fraud based on data mining and fraud analytics. Now, is that a comprehensive investigation to find the potential for voter fraud and irregularities that would render an election uncertifiable? No, it is a test of the available data through data mining and fraud analytics to see if there was, quote unquote, fraud of sufficient magnitude to overturn the election based on the reported results that cannot themselves be substantiated in any way. Let's return to the op-ed. And yet the cries that the election was lost or stolen due to voter fraud continue with no sign of stopping. Whether a stump speech, outrageous lawsuits like the so-called Kraken cases filed by Sidney Powell, Rudy Giuliani's lies, or the ongoing misguided efforts of people determined to prove the election was stolen, the constant drumbeat hardens people's hearts and minds to the truth about the 2020 election. Ah, yes, that is the problem. It's our hardened hearts and minds. That is what is tearing down faith in our democracy, our hardened hearts and minds. The next section has a subheading, Rudy Giuliani lied about voter fraud in Georgia. 
It's part of a steady diet of innuendo, misrepresentations, and outright lies when it comes to the issue of voter fraud. Giuliani admitted he lied about Ruby Freeman and her daughter committing election crimes in Georgia. That is patently false. And Rudy Giuliani has made that very clear. We have discussed that on this podcast. He made no such admission. And here is the relevant filing from Giuliani dated July 25th, 2023 to Judge Beryl Howell, a name that has come up constantly throughout the litigation of not only the election cases, but J6 stuff as well. The district court in the District of Columbia, Giuliani's filing says defendant Giuliani is desirous to avoid unnecessary expenses in litigating what he believes to be unnecessary disputes. Now it is hereby stipulated solely for the purposes of this litigation that defendant Giuliani, for the purpose of deciding this case on the legal issues and recognizing that all other defendants previously identified in the complaint have resolved their claims with all plaintiffs and without admitting to the truth of the allegations hereby does not contest the following allegations. So that means that Rudy Giuliani wants the case to proceed. And so he is choosing not to contest the plaintiff's claims. He is just allowing the court to assume the plaintiff's claims are true. That is not an admission that he lied. Just like the fact that the court decided in Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Wandria Shea Moss's favor and ruled Giuliani liable for a hundred and forty eight million dollars. That does not mean that Ruby Freeman did not do the thing that she was on tape doing and then later on police body cam footage admitting to doing. Giuliani has explained this at length and he has addressed the judge's decision to award $148 million to Ruby Freeman and her daughter, that is going to go to appeal. There is no way that Rudy Giuliani is ever going to be paying Ruby Freeman and Wandria Shea Moss. And Ken Block probably knows that as well, but that's not convenient and that's not the mainstream narrative. So he is writing something that he probably knows to be false, but let's continue. Stories that set the record straight about election innuendo are not typically broadcast in right-leaning media, which means that millions of people receive no information to help them make a more informed decision about what happened in 2020. Now, that is blatantly false and proof that Ken Block does not know what's happening in so-called right-leaning media at all. If he's talking about Fox News, that's fine. And a lot of people on the left and in the so-called non-existent center think that Fox News is the wellspring of all right-leaning media. Everybody else is just going off of what Fox said. Nothing could be further from the truth. If Ken Block was familiar with the right-leaning information environment, especially our information environment that exists well outside that mainstream and actually forces information into that mainstream, he would know that we go through all of the counterclaims and attempted debunkings of election fraud stories. And we have spent over three years doing that with people in the movement devoted specifically to doing exactly that and sharing the information so that people like me can communicate and disseminate that information. 
Does Ken Block know this? And is he ignoring it? Is he trying to mislead the readership of USA Today? Because what he is saying just is not true in any way. And in fact, the opposite is true. I have never met a Biden supporter or even a Ron DeSantis supporter who actually knows the ins and outs, the nitty gritty of any election fraud story. They know the claim made by the Trump side and they know the mainstream media debunking. They always side with the mainstream media debunking and they always revert to the same reasons why 62 courts found that Donald Trump had no evidence. Well, that's not true. Chris Krebs said it was the safest and most secure election of all time. Well, okay, but you don't really understand what he said, do you? And you don't understand that CISA actually published a report just last year summarizing the Halderman report, which said that there's no way the election machines can possibly be relied upon to produce an accurate result that reflects the will and intent of the voter. And they, of course, don't realize that Chris Krebs was only referring to the cybersecurity elements. And then they go to Bill Barr. But Bill Barr's claim has the same problems. Bill Barr didn't see all of the evidence. Bill Barr had plenty of caveats on his statement. And that was well over three years ago. Are any of those people going to say that they believe everything Bill Barr says? No, of course not. Now, I certainly wouldn't claim that everyone on our side knows the ins and outs of every one of these election fraud claims. I don't myself know the ins and outs of every single one of them, but I have looked at a great many of them in great depth and shared that here. And I am more than satisfied that history will prove us correct. Back to the op-ed. What these claims don't take into account is that voter fraud is detectable, quantifiable, and verifiable. I have yet to see anyone offer up quote-unquote evidence of voter fraud from the 2020 election that provides these three things. My company's contract with the campaign obligated us to deliver evidence of voter fraud that could be defended in a court of law. The small amount of voter fraud I found was bipartisan, with about as many Republicans casting duplicate votes as Democrats. This is a crime of privilege. Those with two homes sometimes take two bites of the electoral apple. So people who are wealthy enough to own multiple properties vote ballots from each one of their properties. That is his claim. That is the basis for election fraud in this country. Just some upper middle class or upper class people who own multiple residential properties casting multiple votes. That's the real problem. There were also small numbers of deceased voters. Still nothing emerged that could provide a solid basis for a legal challenge to an election result in any of the states we evaluated. Additional legal hurdles beyond solid evidence of fraud stand in the way of any effort to overturn or negate an election result through our legal system. Even if it could be shown that more fraudulent votes were cast in a state than the margin of victory in 2020, no one can determine for which candidate each fraudulent ballot was cast. So he's saying that in a state like Georgia, where the difference was 11,780 votes, even if he had found 12,000 fraudulent votes, there would be no way to know who those votes were cast for. So you still wouldn't be able to overturn that election in Georgia. This is how Ken Block maintains faith in our democracy. Trump's claims of voter fraud have no foundation in the truth. 
We vote anonymously with good reason. No candidate can credibly claim that a fraudulent vote was credited to their opponent unless the person who cast that vote tells us. So he's saying that no candidate can claim that a vote was fraudulently cast for their opponent unless the person who cast that vote comes forward and says, hey, guys, I cast that fraudulent vote for Joe Biden. Subtract one from Biden and go out and find 11,780 more people to make up the difference in those totally unsubstantiated numbers. And then you can claim victory. Back to the op-ed. This means that a candidate trying to use voter fraud as the reason to change an election result cannot show that the fraudulent votes caused their election loss. As a former gubernatorial candidate, I can admire the discipline it takes to stay on message on a single issue. There is no doubt that voter fraud can animate people, but it is one thing to provide a rallying point for supporters and quite another to drag our election infrastructure and legal system into a foundationless set of false claims. A better use of time, money and energy would be to address systemic weaknesses in our election systems such as the distressing lack of national election infrastructure to enforce election integrity, destructive practices to our elections, such as gerrymandering, and leveling the playing field so that our elections become fairer and more competitive. If voter fraud had impacted the 2020 election, it would already have been proven. Maintaining the lies undermines faith in the foundation of our democracy. Now, this is astoundingly poor logic. He is taking a set of data that he had access to. He analyzed it using certain methods, and he said that with those methods, he was not able to detect voter fraud of a sufficient magnitude to overturn the election. Then he looked at other claims and says that he has in evidence proof that those claims were false. But of course, we can't see that. And to my knowledge, he has not communicated that. I've gone through a bunch of the Ken Block articles over the last couple of years and have not found the information that he claims refute these other claims. He just claims he has it. The reports, of course, are tied up in these so-called legal proceedings and in evidence with the Sham J6 committee. So it's really difficult to come down on one side or the other regarding these claims that Ken Block has made, except to the extent that they are not logical and not conclusive. Ken Block's inability to detect election fraud of a certain magnitude using certain methods within a certain data set is not in any way logically sufficient to prove that there was not election fraud and was not election fraud of a certain magnitude. He's just saying he hasn't found it. And we can give Ken Block the benefit of the doubt on that claim. It's entirely possible that the work he did didn't uncover anything that could have overturned any election result in a court of law based on the standards we have seen used over these last three plus years. That doesn't actually refute the claims, though. And it comes nowhere close to covering all the bases in regards to the problems we know exist in our election systems, and he admits that we have problems in the election systems. Now, Ken Block has a book coming out on March 12th of this year, published by Simon & Schuster. And we know, of course, about 
book deals and how easy it is to cover up massive payoffs with book deals. Money is paid out as an advance in order to acquire the book and the rights for the publishing company. And then the publishing company actually has to go out and sell the book. Does anyone think that there is anyone in the country, maybe a few thousand people, but probably not more than that, who would want to read Ken Block's book about how he has disproven election fraud claims. I can't imagine there are that many people for whom that description fits. Now, of course, I was looking into Ken Block a little bit over the last couple of days, and I ended up on Simon & Schuster's website, the particular page for Ken Block's book, Disproven, my unbiased search for voter fraud for the Trump campaign, the data that shows why he lost and how we can improve our elections by Ken Block forward by none other than Brad Raffensperger, the secretary of state from Georgia. This is the description on Simon & Schuster's website. In November 2020, data specialist Ken Block received a phone call from the Trump campaign. They wanted to hire him to find evidence of election fraud. What followed were late night and early morning requests to assess voter fraud claims at a blistering pace and ultimately find definitive evidence about the role voter fraud played in the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. Multiple subpoenas later, Block reveals the truth about being one of the few professionals hired to prove the Trump campaign's allegation that voter fraud cost Donald Trump the 2020 presidential election. He explains what the voter data tells us and exposes the sobering truth that our federal elections are operating on hundreds, if not thousands, of disparate voting systems prone to error, a threat to national election integrity. Now, that is quite strange. It seems that Ken Block's argument is our national election system is an absolute mess But also, I am absolutely certain that it did not cost Donald Trump the 2020 election. And again, he's drawing that conclusion from limited study of limited data sets using limited methods on a very short timeline and following up on all sorts of other claims, basically whatever he was asked to investigate by members of Donald Trump's campaign. Now, news of Ken Block's investigation is not new. It's been talked about for quite a while, and it is one of the new claims that election fraud deniers will make. Even the people who Trump hired to find election fraud weren't able to find any. And that means there wasn't any. Well, these people, again, don't know how logic works, apparently and do not understand that Ken Block's assessment actually has no bearing whatsoever on the underlying claims. This is the Washington Post from April 27th, 2023. A second firm hired by Trump campaign found no evidence of election fraud. The founder of the company has been interviewed by federal investigators investigating the former president's efforts to overturn the 2020 results. This by Josh Dawsey. 
Former President Trump's campaign quietly commissioned a second firm to study election fraud claims in the weeks after the 2020 election, and the founder of the firm was recently questioned by the Justice Department about his work disproving the claims. Ken Block, founder of the firm Simpatico Software Systems, studied more than a dozen voter fraud theories and allegations for Trump's campaign in late 2020 and found they were, quote, all false, he said in an interview with The Washington Post. So again, he's been subpoenaed this time. They're referring to Jack Smith's subpoenas for his investigations, which, by the way, seem more illegitimate by the day. Over my little hiatus, news came out of Ed Meese, former attorney general under Reagan, filing an amicus brief arguing that Merrick Garland had absolutely no authority whatsoever to name Jack Smith a private citizen special counsel, and therefore Jack Smith does not have the legal or constitutional authority to be demanding anything or to be doing his job at all. He is unlawfully in that position as special counsel. And of course, Jack Smith is the most legitimate out of these people bringing charges against Donald Trump. There is a reason that Trump calls these fake indictments and that I call them fake indictments. They're fake indictments. I know everyone thinks they're real, and I know that we have to pretend they're real to at least understand the story and learn the lessons of these stories, but they're not real. It doesn't matter how much all the sides play along. They're not real. If Trump is convicted, those convictions will eventually be overturned on appeal or thrown out or pardoned. But come on, these are simply exercises in public relations and campaign tactics. They are trying to create storylines that will convince the American people that there was some way that Trump legitimately lost this 2024 election, because otherwise they're going to have to go down the same exact path they went down in 2016, admitting that Trump actually did win and then figuring out how to undermine him through various methods of soft coup as they did in Trump's first term. But let's go back to this Washington Post article by Josh Dawsey, because there is a little segment in here that I think is relevant in this discussion. Soon, Block said he was sent fraud claims by Trump's campaign to study. Some came from the campaign itself, but others originated from sources outside the campaign and informal advisors to Trump, which the campaign passed along. Really consider what's being said here. We're told Trump hired this guy to investigate Trump's claims, and this guy found they were all false. That is the official story about Ken Block. That is the narrative that has been disseminated. That is the slogan that people are repeating. But that's not true. Ken Block was brought on by someone in Trump's campaign. We don't know who. Paid from Trump's campaign coffers. We don't know who was responsible for that process. We know that the claims he investigated were from Trump's campaign, but also from people outside Trump's campaign and people who are called nothing more than informal advisors. And consider the people who we've seen over the last few years who have been presented as the sources for this type of information to the public. Cassidy Hutchinson. Alyssa Farah Griffin, Miles Taylor, 
These are not high ranking people with direct access to Donald Trump. All we have to go on here is that some of these claims came from outside the Trump campaign and some from, quote unquote, informal advisors. The claims were all without evidence, he said, and some were more ridiculous than others. He declined to specify the claims, saying they were part of the ongoing Justice Department investigation. Block also declined to identify which outside advisors were responsible for some of the claims, saying that was also part of the investigation. So we don't know the claims. We don't know who made the claims, but we do know that, according to Ken Block, they were all false. Block said the $750,000 payment was partially because much of the research required, quote, expensive data analytics, unquote. He declined to say which research methods he used, saying it was part of the investigation. The other firm, Berkeley Research Group, was paid more than $600,000 through a subsidiary, records show. Since the election, Block has tweeted extensively about how many of the election fraud claims were false. Attention conspiracy theorists. Fox News just coughed up more than $750 million to settle the defamation lawsuit by Dominion Voting Systems. Yet another 2020 false fraud claim put to rest, he wrote last week. And so that would have been in April. A tweet from Ken Block about the Fox Dominion settlement. Now that Fox Dominion settlement, again, is nothing like what the official story and the repeated slogans claim it to be. We went through this at length back then, but in Dominion's own discovery documents in that case, it says clearly that the Dominion systems cannot be relied upon to reliably produce results that accurately reflect the will and intent of the voters. And that is proven true again in the J. Alex Halderman report on those voting systems. Fox cannot be held responsible for its hosts making defamatory claims if the claims themselves were true. And Fox had the ability to argue that except for the fact that if they did, that would have refuted about two and a half years of Fox News reporting about how the election was very free and fair, safe and secure, and that the reported results accurately reflected the will and intent of the American voters when, of course, they didn't. So Fox was in a bit of a catch-22. And of course, if Fox is working on behalf of the regime and Dominion Voting Systems is working on behalf of the regime and all of the money being exchanged is regime fiat bucks, which are basically just numbers that the regime creates whenever they want, then transferring those numbers from one party to another really makes no difference to anybody. They settled a lawsuit to make the issue go away. If Fox wanted to win the lawsuit, they could have just won the lawsuit. But winning the lawsuit would have refuted two and a half years of reporting and destroyed Fox News's reputation. So it's better to say, well, you know, our hosts, they just kind of misspoke. And so we're really sorry. Here are 787 million fiat numbers from the regime. We're going to transfer them from me to you. Oh, you got them now. Wonderful. And everything just keeps chugging along. Now, one other interesting note on Ken Block, he is from Rhode Island, as noted in that article, he had previously run for governor of Rhode Island. This article is from Warwick Online, January 10th, 2013. Rhode Island considers ban on master lever. Ken Block, founder and chairman of the moderate party of Rhode Island, 
created quite the buzz last week when he launched his new website, www.masterlever.org. The purpose of the site is simple. Promote his stance that the master lever or straight party option at the polls should be banned in Rhode Island. The master lever law was enacted in Rhode Island in 1939 by a Republican-dominated legislature. The master lever term was coined when voting machines required voters to physically pull levers to cast their votes. And though those machines were replaced with today's current electronic system in the late 1990s, the law has stayed on the books. So Ken Block has been working on election integrity related issues for quite a while. Now, is he simply part of a cover up operation? Was there someone who infiltrated the Trump campaign who then paid out these outside contractors to investigate claims of election fraud and intentionally find nothing? Or is there something more at play? It should certainly catch your eye that Brad Raffensperger wrote the foreword to his book, Brad Raffensperger, if we are to assume the surface level interpretation of Raffensperger to be true, he's one of the great villains of this period. A man who personally oversaw the corruption of elections in Georgia and has worked for years to cover up any problems and to create obstacles to any investigation that might find the truth of election fraud in Georgia. But it's always important to remember that things may indeed be the opposite of how they seem on the surface. It sure seems like all of those establishment Republican officials in Georgia and Arizona and some of these other states are corrupt as hell. But it's always possible that they did the job they were asked to do and have taken the reputational damage over these last few years in order to play the role they were asked to play on behalf of their country. So we shall see. Now let's get into the Trump report. The report itself is entitled Summary of Election Fraud in the 2020 Presidential Election in the Swing States. And there is a quote at the beginning, out of fraud, no action arises. Introduction. It has often been repeated There is no evidence of fraud in the 2020 election. In actuality, there is no evidence Joe Biden won. Now, where is the one and only place that anyone in this country has ever heard that sentence before? Oh, it's right here with me. I'm literally the only person who ever says that. There is no evidence anywhere that Joe Biden actually won the 2020 election. For the first time, someone other than me has taken the proper approach to assessing claims about the 2020 election. There is no way to substantiate the vote totals. Therefore, they should not have been certified at any level, and anyone involved in certifying them at any level is complicit in the fraud. That fraud happens to be the usurpation of our government during a time of declared war, which makes it treason, and therefore, hey guys, they're all guilty. My goodness, I wonder who's been saying that since late 2020 besides me. Oh, is it absolutely no one? Yeah, it's absolutely no one. Why hasn't anyone else said that? 
Ongoing investigations in the swing states reveal hundreds of thousands of votes were altered and or not lawfully cast in the presidential election. And that is all that matters. They weren't lawfully cast. Let's start that again, and I won't interrupt myself this time. Ongoing investigations in the swing states reveal hundreds of thousands of votes were altered and or not lawfully cast in the presidential election. Joe Biden needed them. On election night, November 3rd, 2020, President Donald J. Trump was sailing to re-election with landslide leads in numerous battlegrounds. In Georgia, President Trump was up by 12 points and over 335,000 votes, with 56% of the vote in at 10.17 p.m. In Wisconsin, President Trump was leading by 121,380 votes and five points at 12.12 a.m., which Fox News anchor Brett Baer noted was not a small margin. In Pennsylvania, President Trump was leading by 659,145 votes at 1238 a.m., a full 15 points. In Michigan, President Trump was leading by 293,052 votes and 10 points. The election was over. However, precincts in Atlanta, Detroit, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Milwaukee kept counting until the results reached the desired outcome, which was the opposite of the will of the voters. Georgia went from having a total of 4.7 million votes, already a record for the state, according to Brad Raffensperger's count on November 4th, to certifying almost 5 million. This was 300,000 more votes than what the top elections official claimed were cast in the election. Getting to this result in Georgia and other states created an irredeemably compromised election filled with violations of the Constitution, unlawful ballots, widespread broken chain of custody, electronic manipulation and missing and corrupted election files that made it uncertifiable and impossible to recreate the results. President Trump was right to voice his objections to what had unfolded before the country's eyes. Republican poll watchers were denied access to the counting in multiple jurisdictions and ballots were counted in secret in the middle of the night without media or observers present. Countless irregularities emerged, including reports of ineligible voters, voting machine anomalies, water main breaks, improbable percentages of ballots for Biden and more. Since Investigations across the country have uncovered an avalanche of irregularities, unlawful activity, manipulation of election records, destruction of evidence and fraud. The findings, which are outcome determinative, are detailed in the summaries of the swing states. And it's important to note that all of this has been true the entire time. There is no point at which this was not true. There is no point at which this was not all in evidence and available to the public. These claims have been made. These claims have been substantiated. If you dig into these claims, you will find them to be substantiated. It does not actually matter that courts have not looked at the evidence based on standing or mootness or whatever else. 
courts refusing to look at evidence does not mean that the evidence is not there, is not real, or is not valid. It only means that they are not going to side in favor of the people bringing the claims for whatever reasons they choose. Likewise, it does not matter that when evidence has been seen, courts do not decide in favor of the people bringing the claims. That says nothing about the evidence. The job of the courts ultimately is to decide the validity of specific legal claims and provide remedies or not according to their interpretation of the law. Courts are not somehow invulnerable to corruption and they are not the final arbiters the people are. And beyond all of that, the elections are uncertifiable. So if you certify something without actually verifying the validity and lawfulness of what you're certifying, well, you are making a mistake. Let's get into some of the claims. Georgia. Each one of these sections, by the way, starts with a quote. It is a fraud to conceal a fraud. Georgia was called by 11,779 votes. Oh, I was off by one vote earlier. Fulton County, Georgia, the most populous county in the state, has no digital record of all in-person votes cast in its original results. Well, how the hell is that? Aren't they supposed to keep that sort of thing? Not a single ballot purportedly cast during early in-person voting was witnessed to and signed off by poll managers as required by Georgia election rules. Seals were broken and memory cards removed from tabulators for the results of these 315,000 votes, which were printed out on different machines than the ones that tabulated them. This prevented the reconciliation of how many votes were cast on each machine. The ballot images of these votes, along with the rest of in-person ballots cast on election day, were destroyed. The vote in Georgia was counted three times, the original machine count, a statewide hand recount, and a second machine count. Each time the state and Fulton County reported three different results. Fulton County did not count the same ballots during the original count and the machine recount. There are 19,541 distinct ballots that appear in one machine count, but not the other. Thousands of fraudulent presidential only ballots were injected into the second machine count with huge margins favoring Joe Biden. Ballots that are blank except for the presidential contest were counted in batches together with the pattern appearing in at least eight counties, including Fulton. This means Georgia did not have the votes to justify its original election, quote unquote, results. The second machine count was over 17,000 votes short. Fulton County was instructed to reconcile the results by the Secretary of State and recertified its results without divulging the extent of the vote deficiency to members of the Fulton County Board of Registrations and Elections. Thousands of bogus votes were ultimately added into the election results via the second machine count. And the citation on that claim is from Philip Stark, a voting systems expert in the case 
Curling versus Raffensperger, which is also the case that produced the J. Alex Halderman report on the election machines. This includes 20,977 unsubstantiated votes of unknown origin. The results were missing 17,852 ballot images and included 3,125 duplicate ballot images that were counted twice. At least 2,871 ballots were counted two or three times in the second machine count, totaling 6,118 questionable votes. 88% of Fulton County's precincts reported a different total number of votes between the first and second machine count. The only electronic votes that survived from the first count were mail-in ballots since they were tabulated on the high-speed scanner their ballot images were automatically uploaded to the election server. 90% of these approximately 148,000 absentee ballots cast in Fulton County cannot be authenticated. Ballot images for 132,284 mail-in votes have no .sha file, which is created automatically When a ballot is scanned and used to authenticate the digital image of the vote, lacking evidence they were scanned and tabulated properly or even cast by a real voter. 104,994 ballot image files of these mail-in ballots from the original count contained identical modified timestamps suggesting electronic manipulation. Fulton County does not know, quote, how many voters cast votes, end quote, and its, quote, lack of basic accounting controls make it impossible to determine who really won, end quote. In 2020, according to Philip Stark, a University of California Berkeley professor who invented risk-limiting audits, Stark noted the electronic records of the election are not intact, a direct quote, again, from Philip Stark's testimony in Curling versus Raffensperger. 376,863 ballot images are missing from the first machine count, which includes all in-person votes in Fulton County. None of the 315,000 votes cast during early voting in Fulton County were witnessed to and signed by the poll manager and two poll workers, as required by state election rules. The closing tapes for these votes are all unsigned, showing more tabulated votes than the tabulators had recorded as scanning in their protective counters and recorded improbably low percentages for President Trump. For example, President Trump received only 0.9%, from some of the tabulators, as if he was a third-party candidate or in a third-world country. The anomalies indicate ballots were not scanned on the tabulators that printed the closing tapes, making the closing tapes fraudulent. Tabulators used in Fulton County during early voting had their seals broken and memory cards were reprogrammed and inserted into different scanners to count absentee ballots in violation of election rules. 
This made it impossible to reconcile the true number of votes tabulated on the machines from the start of the election to the end of counting. 235,000 absentee ballots were requested and accepted too early prior to the lawful date, 180 days before the 2020 election, which was May 6th, 2020. These votes should have never been counted in the 2020 election. 235,000 absentee ballots requested and accepted prior to May 6th, 2020. What is difficult to adjudicate about these claims? These are unlawful ballots and should not and cannot count in any legitimate election. 4,081 false votes for Joe Biden were included in the hand count audit results for Fulton County. The false votes were the result of 36 accounting errors, which were confirmed by Governor Brian Kemp's office and investigators working for Secretary Brad Raffensperger, yet they have never been removed from the official hand count results. These errors alone would reduce the margin to 7,698 votes. No evidence, no evidence, baseless claims. The hand count audit included 3,935 unaccounted for votes due to 11 missing batch sheets in Fulton County. Differences from the original count to the hand audit total at least 15,690 votes, which is more than the entire election margin alone. This includes the 4,081 false Biden votes plus quote unquote missing votes discovered in Gwinnett, 1,642. Fayette County, 2,755, Floyd County, 2,700, Douglas County, 293, and Walton, 284, that were likely due to machine counting errors. Thousands of quote-unquote pristine, unfolded absentee ballots were counted during the hand count audit in Fulton County, according to at least six witnesses, which is the subject of ongoing litigation. These absentee ballots had no folds and went 98% to Joe Biden had quote, been added in a fraudulent manner. Witnesses said Fulton County certified 59,143 in-person votes on election day, despite the fact that only 14,152 people had voted as of 5 p.m. on November 3rd, 2020. Evidence suggests the in-person vote total on election day was inflated by approximately 37,000 votes, as records show no rush to the polls during the final two hours of voting and a screenshot of the in-person election day results shared by a government contractor showed only 21,843 people voted at the polls in Fulton County on November 3rd. And that is actually quite an amazing number. Fewer than 22,000 people voted in person on election day in Fulton County. That's where Atlanta, Georgia is. Fulton County ordered over 1 million absentee ballots days before the 2020 election without any envelopes and the time necessary to mail. There were only 808,680 
active voters in Fulton County as of November 1st, 2020, meaning the county had more blank mail-in ballots than the number of registered voters and ordered them after the vast majority of mail-in ballot requests had already been sent to voters by Runbeck Election Services. Kind of makes you wonder what they needed all those last-minute mail-in absentee ballots for, doesn't it? An estimated 30,000 to 92,670 illicit votes were trafficked in Georgia as part of a massive ballot trafficking operation discovered by True the Vote. The group identified 242 traffickers in Georgia who engaged in 5,662 ballot drops into drop boxes making an average of 23 runs per trafficker. Over 40% of the illicit drops that were captured on camera were recorded between the non-voting hours of midnight and 5 a.m. There were over 364,000 ineligible voter registrations on the rolls during the 2020 election, and likely 67,284 votes were cast from voters with invalid residency. And these claims are included in the affidavit of Catherine Engelbrecht, who is true the vote. Massive manipulation of the Georgia voter rolls surrounding the 2020 election has been uncovered. This includes 1,500 voter IDs that received credit for voting in 2020, but were not on any voter rolls from 2020. Some appearing for the first time on voter rolls on November 4th, 2021, a year after the election. Other findings include manipulation of inactive voters to cast ballots, gifting, in quotes, November 3rd votes up to two years after the election and casting votes on ballots previously rejected, canceled or not even turned in. In 2020, there were absentee ballots issued to Bangkok, Thailand, GA, Denver, GA, Detroit, GA, Los Angeles, GA, and other fraudulent addresses that do not exist. Ballots were fraudulently cast in 2020 from addresses listed as Bronx, Georgia, Hilton Head, Georgia, Louisville, Georgia, San Diego, Georgia, New Orleans, Georgia, French Creek, Georgia, Virginia Beach, Georgia, Vicksburg, Georgia, Baltimore, Georgia, New York, Georgia, and Sarasota, Georgia, all with zip codes out of state. Gosh, that's amazing. 43,907 Dropbox ballots violated chain of custody requirements in DeKalb County. 59,000 of the 79,460 Dropbox ballots in Fulton County were not immediately transported to the election registrar in violation of state election board rules. An estimated 355,000 ballot transfer forms for drop box ballots are missing statewide. Gosh, isn't that crazy? No chain of custody on 355,000 ballots? Sounds like one of the safest and most secure elections of all time. Over 100,000 tally sheets for Fulton County were missing from the hand count audit and remained missing for months after the election. In early January 2021, Ruby Freeman asked for an attorney because she wanted to, quote, 
go live on every platform, end quote, to divulge information about how, quote, the USB ports, end quote, were used in the 2020 election. The expert cyber report from Professor J. Alex Halderman explained how external USB ports with election changing malware can be inserted into Dominion machines by anyone with access, including election workers. And we have gone through these claims many times, as I said earlier in the discussion of Rudy Giuliani, Ruby Freeman has actually admitted to all of this on camera, including police body cam footage. She was asking specifically, she said that she wanted to go on a live stream and tell the whole nation about what she observed. And we are still pretending, as Ken Block was earlier, that Rudy Giuliani is just making it all up. Now, if you want to make the claim that all of this is an elaborate psyop or an elaborate misinformation op, specifically designed as part of a sting to catch the real criminals in this process. And none of these claims are actually true. Well, okay, that's a theory that some people actually advance. But the idea that that claim is supported by the evidence is insane in my view. And I have spent a fair amount of time examining those claims and considering those claims. Maybe there's something I'm missing. But the idea that all of these claims are just invented out of thin air and then repeated for years by President Trump and included in a report that not only is Trump blasting out everywhere, but his spokespeople like Liz Harrington are blasting out everywhere. That seems a little far fetched. The presence of a QR code mismatch error with the Dominion tabulators that systematically undercounts votes was found in 65 out of 67 Georgia counties where records were available. The error was present in system log files for tabulators used in elections in 2020, 2021 and 2022. And if I'm not mistaken, the QR mismatch issue here is that when you enter your vote, on a touchscreen voting device and you complete the process, a paper receipt that counts as a paper ballot is printed out so that another machine, a tabulating machine, can then read that quote unquote paper ballot. That is not what people like me mean when we are talking about voting on paper ballots. We're talking about hand marked paper ballots, not machine produced paper ballots because the machine produces on that ballot a QR code. And then the tabulating machine reads that QR code. Now, your selections, your votes may be printed on that paper receipt that the tabulator will count that we call for some reason a ballot. But that machine is reading the QR code. So it doesn't matter if your votes are accurately represented in what you can read all that matters is the data contained within that QR code that you cannot read. So if the machine has made some sort of error in translating your choices into that QR code, you have absolutely no way of knowing that. And then the tabulator only counts and reads what's in that QR code. So though you have pressed the buttons on the screen and the paper receipt has produced the voting record that you meant it to produce, you have no idea what's in that QR code that the tabulator will ultimately read. 
that QR code could legitimately represent the opposite of your vote and you would have no idea and your ballot would then be cast in the exact opposite way you intended. The only way to know that the system wasn't designed to invert your specific vote is that you trust the same people who are censoring you online. Back to the report. The election results in Georgia in 2020 are not only unreliable, but were electronically altered and are unsupported by the state's own election records. The appearance of tens of thousands of unconfirmed ballots in subsequent hand and machine counts suggest reconciliation happened after the election, meaning after it was clear what margins were needed to win. Fulton County election officials admitted in early 2021 they do not engage in any reconciliation until weeks after Election Day. This means the number of voters showing up at the polls during each day of voting is not checked with the number of ballots tabulated each day, a basic process to ensure the number of ballots and voters match and cannot be manipulated later. We can't start reconciling that until usually a couple days before certification, said then Fulton County Elections Director Richard Barron during a January 2021 board meeting. Because we have to get that report from No Inc. This is K-N-O-W-I-N-K, No Inc. I think No Inc. sends those to the state or No Inc. sends those directly to us. But those aren't compiled then on election night. So we don't have any way to balance those then. That's like the post-election process that we do. So that is just Georgia. And just with what we heard about Georgia, right there, we have enough to support what Rudy Giuliani was doing and saying relative to Ruby Freeman and enough to support what Sidney Powell was doing and saying relative to the quote-unquote Kraken lawsuits which were about Dominion's history in manipulating the outcome of elections and designing equipment with the specific intent of accomplishing exactly that. So the claims that Ken Block is referring to still as ridiculous don't sound so ridiculous. Wisconsin, a quote to start. All law has either been derived from the consent of the people established by necessity confirmed by custom or of divine providence. Wisconsin was called by 20,682 votes. The Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled drop boxes are illegal under Wisconsin law in a 4-3 decision issued in July 2022. Wisconsin Election Commissioner Megan Wolf unilaterally declared ballot drop boxes could be used to vote in 2020 elections, even though WECs, that's Wisconsin Election Commission, commissioners never voted to adopt this memo. So Megan Wolf took it upon herself to allow Mark Zuckerberg's organization to bring drop boxes to Wisconsin. Ahead of the November 2020 election, Wolf encouraged clerks to use, quote, creative solutions, end quote, to deploy drop boxes that she said could be, quote unquote, unstaffed. So no one actually has to monitor these drop boxes. She wanted people to find creative ways to get these drop boxes put in place. That is what they were paid to do 
by CTCL. This is the Zuckerberg organization run by former Obama campaign manager David Pluff. David Pluff's goal was to get 70 million votes for Joe Biden. He literally wrote a book about how they were going to defeat Donald Trump in the 2020 election. He didn't even think it was within a realm of possibility, any possibility, any chance, not even the smallest, slightest chance that Joe Biden would get anywhere near 81 million votes. And he didn't believe Biden would need anything close to that in order to beat Donald Trump. You got to wonder how they overperformed their expectations so spectacularly. So Obama's campaign manager directing things for Mark Zuckerberg's half a billion dollars, getting these drop boxes placed into very convenient locations for Democrats to enter all sorts of ballots that then just had to be counted. Because you have to count all the votes. If you're not counting each and every vote, no matter its lawful status, well, then you are engaging in voter suppression, which makes you racist, according to the party that actually started the KKK as a voter suppression organization. There were 528 drop boxes used in the general election and a total of 1,969,000. 274 absentee votes cast, including 1,346,731 votes cast by mail and 653,236 in person. In a concurring opinion to the ruling finding drop boxes to be unlawful, Justice Rebecca Bradley writes, if the right to vote is to have any meaning at all, elections must be conducted according to law. Throughout history, tyrants have claimed electoral victory via elections conducted in violation of governing law. She goes on in Wisconsin, elected officials, quote, derive their just powers from the consent of the governed. The right to vote presupposes the rule of law governs elections. If elections are conducted outside of the law, the people have not conferred their consent on the government. Such elections are unlawful and their results are illegitimate. Oh, gosh, that's the argument I've been making for well over three years now. Isn't that incredible? A Wisconsin Supreme Court justice agrees with the exact same interpretation of the law. Again, the standard of finding enough so-called fraudulent votes to overcome a difference of two totally unsubstantiated numbers is ridiculous when you can understand that the elections were held through unlawful processes. That's all that matters. That makes them unlawful and illegitimate elections. That makes them uncertifiable. And that means that officials all around the country and in our federal government are complicit in that same fraud. Justice Bradley concluded, quote, thousands of votes have been cast via this unlawful method and, quote, using drop boxes, quote, thereby directly harming the Wisconsin voters. The illegality of these drop boxes weakens the people's faith that the election produced an outcome reflective of their will. Justice Bradley writes, 
The Wisconsin voters and all lawful voters are injured when the institution charged with administering Wisconsin elections does not follow the law, leaving the results in question. Electoral outcomes obtained by unlawful procedures corrupt the institution of voting, degrading the very foundation of free government. Unlawful votes do not dilute lawful votes so much as they pollute them, which in turn pollutes the integrity of the results. In the city of Milwaukee, nearly half of all its votes were cast by mail, totaling 217,424 ballots. The city deployed 15 drop boxes with election officials claiming the drop boxes would be, quote, under 24 hour surveillance, end quote. However, after the election, not a single municipality in the county produced video surveillance of drop boxes in response to open records requests. Various responses included no records exist for your request. No video from requested time frame. No such records exist and, quote, no security camera. The election integrity group True the Vote identified 107 ballot traffickers in Milwaukee County between October 20th and November 3rd, 2020, who each made 20 or more visits to drop boxes. Each trafficker made an average 26 visits and as many as 15 in one day and made multiple visits to non-governmental organizations. The 107 traffickers made a total of 2,824 trips to drop boxes during the 2020 election with a majority of visits occurring after 8 p.m. That is incredible. That is about 27 trips per trafficker to a drop box. Can you figure out any legitimate reason why that would occur? I'm guessing that most of you have seen 2000 Mules and understand the concept here. Despite the qualms people have with that film, we can keep Dinesh D'Souza's work separate from Catherine Engelbrecht's. These claims are based on cell phone location data. And that process has not in any way been debunked at all. In 2020, there was a surge of quote unquote indefinitely confined votes in Wisconsin, resulting in 220,404 votes cast from individuals who were exempted from showing voter ID. This surge of suspect votes was due to Democrat election clerks giving advice that was deemed illegal after the election, instructing voters to identify themselves as disabled during the covid pandemic to avoid voter ID laws. So the idea here, if you're not familiar or if you have forgotten, is that under Wisconsin law, Someone who is indefinitely confined can request a ballot and turn in a ballot without ever having an ID checked to verify that they are an eligible voter. And this is for people who are legitimately incapacitated, not for people who are scared of the very deadly pandemic, but Wisconsin election clerks allowed people to use that as the standard for indefinitely confined, which then allowed all those voters, quote unquote, to request and then submit ballots without having to go through Wisconsin's voter ID process. 
indefinitely confined voters who are supposed to be physically unable to go to the polls due to age, disability or illness increased by an astounding 393 percent in Dane County from 2016 to 2020, 492 percent in Racine County, 281 percent in Milwaukee County and 287 percent in the state overall. There were just 56,978 indefinitely confined votes in 2016 and roughly 70,000 in 2019. In 2020, however, there were 220,404 votes cast using indefinite confinement status. Over 77% of these individuals had never been listed as indefinitely confined before. The Wisconsin Legislative Audit Bureau identified 48,554 people who voted as indefinitely confined in November 2020 who had never provided photo identification or did not have photo identifications on file with clerks, which is more than twice the vote margin of 20,682. Scott McDonald, the Democrat clerk of Dane County, which encompasses the area of Madison, told all residents they could identify themselves as indefinitely confined because of COVID, specifically citing it as a way to get around the voter ID law. McDonald previously blamed Wisconsin's voter ID law for President Trump's victory in 2016, claiming a 2018 Twitter post that, quote, Thousands of voters were deterred from voting due to the ID law. So as always, the Democrat claim that voter ID laws actually suppress voter turnout. We are supposed to believe that those voters could not get ID. In 2020, McDonald urged all voters to declare themselves indefinitely confined in order to obtain an absentee ballot and, quote, skip the step of uploading an ID, end quote, in the April 2020 primary election. Once a voter is identified as indefinitely confined, they continue to receive absentee ballots automatically for subsequent elections. Quote, I urge all voters who request a ballot and have trouble presenting a valid ID to indicate that they are indefinitely confined, McDonald said in a Facebook post. That is an election official encouraging the general public to evade Wisconsin's election laws. Kind of makes me think of that guy, Douglas Mackey, who was convicted of election interference for a meme. And if I was being a conspiracy theorist for a second, I might assert that that Douglas Mackey story becoming somewhat widespread common knowledge among people who follow political news that might well lay down a template for prosecuting people who did exactly what this man, Scott McDonald, did in 2020. He actually encouraged people to evade Wisconsin election laws in a public post on Facebook. The Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled in December 2020 that the pandemic did not render all Wisconsin electors indefinitely confined, thereby obviating the requirement of a valid photo identification to obtain an absentee ballot. And the clerk's interpretation of Wisconsin election laws was erroneous. So the clerk did not have the power to say that COVID constituted indefinitely confined. That was all done 
outside the law. And that alone could account for somewhere in the neighborhood of 150,000 unlawful votes in an election we were told was decided by fewer than 21,000. The Wisconsin Election Commission ordered nursing homes to violate the law by not allowing special voting deputies inside their facilities, which led to election fraud, where incapacitated elderly residents had votes cast in their name with the assistance of nursing home staff. An investigation by the Racine County Sheriff found the Wisconsin Elections Commission, quote unquote, shattered state election laws. Nursing homes saw an quote, unusual surge in voting activity, end quote. And at least eight cases of felony voter fraud were found in one nursing home, accounting for nearly one in five families of residents. The Wisconsin Election Commission admitted it was, quote, essentially telling the clerks to break the law, end quote, by ordering the sending of absentee ballots to nursing homes and barring special voting deputies inside the facilities. Amazing what the regime is capable of doing to these poor elderly people confined in nursing homes. They were systematically eliminated through COVID and COVID treatment protocols in 2020, while at the same time, there was a system being run to steal their votes. And we are told that we have to obey the rules and regulations that these people set forward for us. Pass! An interim report released by special counsel Michael J. Gableman, raised, quote, serious and legitimate questions that the certification of Wisconsin's election results may have been undertaken in an unlawful and unconstitutional manner, end quote. Gableman claimed democracy in the park events in Madison involved numerous possible violations of the law, quote, calling into question the validity of over 17,000 absentee ballots. These outdoor events to collect mail-in ballots were the subject of numerous complaints, and it is, quote, not clear that all of the workers at those events were properly deputized and trained, swore and filed the mandatory oath of office, or documents related to absentee ballots were properly handled. So the lawfulness of the events is in question. The lawfulness of the officials working those events is in question, and the lawfulness of the process is in question. The office of the special counsel also claimed evidence of, quote, undue influence by well-funded private groups who leveraged large grants to certain Wisconsin cities in order to co-opt our election apparatus to their benefit, end quote. And of course, he's talking primarily about Mark Zuckerberg's efforts, and they will get to that in just a minute. The report confirms at least 17.5% of election clerks, quote, were not properly trained and that, quote, exploitation of elders, end quote, occurred in nursing homes. In one example, Merrill Barrett, who was 104 years old and did not recognize her own children, had a ballot cast in her name in the 2020 presidential election. The Office of Special Counsel's second interim report found nursing homes in Milwaukee, Dane, and Racine counties with a 100% turnout due to the Wisconsin Election Commission's order. The special counsel said it possessed evidence of nursing home facility staff and directors who, quote, assisted residents in completing ballots, 
assisted residents in obtaining absentee ballots, pressured residents to vote, collected completed ballots from residents, forged signatures of residents, illegally returned residents ballots to the municipal clerks by mail by placing the ballots in drop boxes and or delivering them directly to clerks pressured and or assisted incompetent persons to complete and cast ballots in the November 2020 election up to and including persons who have had their right to vote taken away by court order due to mental incompetence. So the staff of these nursing home facilities took on all of those roles, all of them unlawful in order to get more votes out of these nursing homes. The second interim report also detailed an $8.8 million quote election bribery scheme end quote involving Mark Zuckerberg's center for tech and civic life and the cities of Milwaukee, Madison, Racine, Kenosha, and Green Bay. In the agreement, the cities took CTCL's money to facilitate in-person and absentee voting within their respective city. The Wisconsin Safe Voting Plan, developed for CTCL, facilitated grants to major Wisconsin cities to deploy drop boxes for mail-in ballots, including $50,000 to Green Bay, $40,000 to Kenosha, $50,000 to Madison, $58,500 to Milwaukee, and $18,000 to Racine. Whitney May, the Director of Government Services for CTCL, posted numerous anti-Trump posts on social media, including telling people, quote, don't vote for Trump, end quote, in 2016. Internal emails from election officials in Green Bay revealed Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, a former Democratic Party operative, served as a de facto elections administrator and had access to Green Bay's absentee ballots days before the election. And there is a lengthy email history that you can read on Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. And if you happen to look him up, you will notice upon first seeing him that he must be like Ben Shapiro's cousin or something strictly on an eyebrow basis. The office of the special counsel referenced this case and has evidence that this grantee, which was funded by CTCL, was, quote, directly involved in all aspects of management of election officials was entrusted with the only sets of physical keys to the city's central count location, managed the transportation of ballots, and instructed the counting of unlawful ballots that had arrived at the central count location beyond the lawful time window. So a Democrat operative working for the Center for Tech and Civic Life has essentially full control over Green Bay's elections and exclusive access to their counting room, the safest and most secure election in our nation's history. So that is just Georgia and Wisconsin, two out of the six states. Are these baseless claims with no evidence? All of these really baseless claims. This has all been debunked, huh? 
And wait a second, how come when they're telling us that all of these 62 cases found that Trump was lying, even sometimes his own Trump judges, they found there was no evidence of election fraud or else, man, they would have reversed the whole thing. And the fact that they didn't reverse it, the fact that Joe Biden is sitting there in the White House, that means that there was actually no election fraud. I mean, you've all heard it. You've heard people say that these people are retarded. And worse than retarded, these people didn't check. And what didn't they check on? They didn't check to see whether or not our country had been usurped. And why didn't they do that? It's because they don't like Donald Trump and they don't like his supporters because they have been brainwashed by a mass propaganda effort specifically to guide them into that position, which my friends is a membership in a hate movement. It is not something short of that. It is a hate movement. They know that Trump and his supporters are wrong about all of this because of who they are. They know that we are the bad people, the racists, the bigots, the transphobes, the homophobes, the Islamophobes, blah, 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 blah. We are the uneducated. We are the poor, the unwashed masses. We are people who are so evil and so stupid that we could not possibly be right about any of these claims. Certainly not when the people they look up to the leadership class of their hate movement says, oh, no, we checked. These claims are all false. It's just those Trump supporters lying again, making up stuff, telling conspiracies. There's no evidence. These are baseless claims and claims so baseless could only be made by people so stupid and so evil. You see, all of this evidence has been out there, but it just doesn't count as evidence because if it was evidence, that would mean that all the stupid and evil people were actually right the whole time and that they were the good and smart people and not the stupid and evil people. And that can't be the case. You know why? Because those people are stupid and evil. It's about who they are. And the thing is, even if people like us believe those claims, that actually makes them people like them, the stupid and evil ones. You think that's all nonsense? You think that's all illogical? That is exactly what they believe and the justification for why they believe it. And all of us know people who are still asleep. Most of us know people who voted for Joe Biden or supported Joe Biden or still hate Donald Trump. And it's not like it brings me pleasure to say all this. I want these people to leave the hate movement and come back to reality and understand that they are actually not even on the side they think they're on. They just haven't yet been targeted with the hate movement themselves. They didn't bother checking to see whether or not the country had been usurped, even while more than half the people in the country were claiming it had because they were told not to worry about it. And the only reason it was even an issue to begin with is that all of the stupid and evil people just couldn't handle losing. And our friends and neighbors succumbed to that argument and continue to this day to succumb to that argument because they're in a hate movement. They may be there unwittingly or unknowingly. They certainly didn't intend 
to join a hate movement when they set out along this path. But nonetheless, they are in a hate movement and should not be treated differently. They can be treated with sympathy. Again, we want them, of course, to leave that hate movement and come back to reality. They don't have to agree with us. They just have to realize what has happened to them, what has been done to them and done in their name while they continue to support it vocally. They support the entire thing. They literally support the financial and military support of Nazi battalions. Why? Because their leader, they're told, is Jewish, and because Russia is worthy of their hate. Why? Because Russia is on the same side as Donald Trump and his supporters. It is a hate movement, my friends, and it has been a hate movement all the way back since it was a hate movement in Germany 90 years ago. It's the same hate movement. But let's get back into the report. And obviously, this is going to be a very, very long episode. Maybe I will take off on Friday so I can try to focus on writing or something or figuring out how to do this live call-in show. I love that I come back with the intent of diversifying my time and my approach to content. And I have now created nearly by the end of this four hours of shows in two days. Good job, me. Okay. Pennsylvania quote wrong is wiped out by reconciliation. Pennsylvania was called by 80,555 votes. Months after the election, there were 121,240 more votes than voters, according to the Pennsylvania Department of State. By law, Pennsylvania cannot certify an election with this type of discrepancy. But they did, didn't they? And then just a couple years later, we got Senator John Fetterman. Republican lawmakers led by state representative Frank Ryan were tracking the vote discrepancy in real time in the statewide uniform registry of electors system. That is the acronym there. Sure. Ryan, a certified public accountant, initially reported that there were 170,830 more votes than voters in the presidential race, more than twice the margin in Pennsylvania. These numbers just don't add up, and the alleged certification of Pennsylvania's presidential election results was absolutely premature, unconfirmed, and in error, the lawmakers said. The Pennsylvania Department of State's office called this, quote, obvious misinformation, end quote, while admitting the, quote, only way to determine the number of voters who voted in November from the sure system is through the vote histories, end quote, which they said Philadelphia, Allegheny and other counties still had not completed an admission the election was certified without ensuring the number of voters and votes matched in the sure system. The election was certified on November 24th, 2020, and the Department of State's statement came on December 29th, 2020. 
The Sure system was checked and downloaded weekly with updated voter histories from the general election until all the counties uploaded their vote histories, which was not completed until February 2021. At this time, there were still over 121,000 votes that did not have a corresponding voter in the Sure system. Isn't that incredible? The statement by the Department of State, quote, that the voting would reconcile once the counties completed their Sure uploads was incorrect, according to Verity Vote. When the final county finished uploading their voter histories and closed the election in Sure, it was February 1st, 2021, which was the same day that Secretary of State Kathy Bookvar announced her resignation. At the time that Philadelphia closed the election in Shore, the voter histories showed that the county accepted at least 7,944 ballots that could not be associated with a registered voter. Pennsylvania credited 71,893 people for voting who returned mail-in ballots after Election Day. And these individuals were included in the voter history files. This includes 50,285 received between November 4th and November 6th, 11,570 received between November 7th and November 11th, and 10,038 that were received on or after November 12th. Bookvar claimed only 10,000 ballots were received between the close of polls on Election Day and November 6th. While 71,893 people received credit for voting by mail, these votes purportedly did not count. Even while including these voters in the total of who participated in the election, Pennsylvania still came up 121,240 voters short. According to the Department of State data, there were 7,035,746 ballots cast in the 2020 presidential election, including all write-in votes, overvotes, and undervotes. After all counties closed the election in sure, only 6,914,556 voters were credited with participation in the 2020 general election. This reveals a voter deficit of 121,240. And again, this is from the State Department's data, the Pennsylvania Department of State's data. You also have got to think that Kathy Bookvar must have flipped. Georgia, you've got Brad Raffensperger still there. Michigan, you've got Jocelyn Benson still there. In Arizona, their Secretary of State, Katie Hobbs, became fake governor. And then in Wisconsin, they actually just replaced this guy in March of last year. But a man named Doug LaFollette was the Wisconsin Secretary of State for over 40 years. He was in office from January of 1983 till March of 2023. Imagine how corrupt you have to be to get reelected that many times. Oh, wait, you're the secretary of state. You are the state's lead election official. I wonder if that has something to do with it. 
I am very, very interested to find out exactly what became of Kathy Bookvar, who, as noted above, resigned a couple months after the 2020 election. In Philadelphia, hundreds of thousands of mail-in ballots were unlawfully counted in secret, in defiance of a court order, while Republican poll watchers were thrown out of buildings where voting took place. Attorney Bill McSwain was told to stand down and not investigate election regularities by Attorney General Bill Barr. McSwain said he was instructed to not discuss the allegations of voter fraud he received and to pass any quote unquote serious investigations along to then state attorney general Josh Shapiro, a Democrat who promised days before the election that President Trump, quote, is going to lose. Worth noting, by the way, that Josh Shapiro is now the governor of Pennsylvania. Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook poured over $25 million into the administration of the election in Pennsylvania in 2020. Over $10 million went to the Democrat-controlled jurisdiction of Philadelphia, which included $5.5 million on, quote, ballot processing equipment and $552,000 for drop boxes. A lawsuit filed in Delaware County revealed video evidence of election officials discussing destroying election evidence from the November 2020 election. It's a felony, one official says, after talking about the need to, quote unquote, get rid of voting pads and second scanners. Sources involved in the litigation alleged the Delaware County officials violated numerous election laws and that the destruction of records, quote, was done to ensure records eventually provided actually matched the election results that were reported in November 2020. So it was a cleanup operation. Delaware County received $2.2 million from Zuckerberg Center for Tech and Civic Life, which it spent on recruiting and training a sufficient number of poll workers, setting up drop box locations for voters to return ballots and other get out the vote efforts. The Election Integrity Group, True the Vote, said Philadelphia was the worst offender it witnessed when investigating the widespread ballot trafficking scheme operating across multiple swing states in 2020. They identified 1,155 ballot traffickers who each visited at least 10 drop boxes in five non-governmental organizations. Some ballot traffickers made hundreds of trips to drop boxes. Arizona. That which was originally void does not, by lapse of time, become valid. Wait, so that means that if Joe Biden was never the legitimate president, he is still not the legitimate president now and history would never record him as a legitimate president. So as I say at the end of every episode, Joe Biden would never be president. Oh, wow. I wonder if that is the exact logic I've been working on the entire time I've been saying that. Ah, of course it is. I always love the people who are like, yeah, he definitely knows what he's talking about and he definitely understands the logic he's using all the time. But man, some of his claims are really extreme. Yeah, I know. Sure they are. Sure they are. Arizona was called by a margin 
of 10,457 votes. Maricopa County accepted 20,500 mail-in ballots after Election Day 2020, including 18,000, more than the entire election margin, on November 4th picked up from the U.S. Postal Service. By law, ballots must be received no later than 7 p.m. on Election Day, which was November 3rd. And it's worth noting here that that is all that matters. It doesn't matter what your opinion is about the claim that all votes must be counted. They have to follow the law. If they don't have to follow the law, then elections can be easily stolen, which is actually a charitable case to make because the truth is they have set the laws up to allow elections to be stolen. They created the massive loopholes and they weren't even able to comply with those standards and win. That is how dominant Donald Trump was in 2020, and it's just more true today. Stop acting like you're some underdog or minority. We are a vast majority. The country does not work without your approval. Simply do not comply. Withhold your consent. Speak truth to other people. And we're going to get through it just fine. The 20,000 ballots recorded as incoming from the U.S. Postal Service on and after November 4th were of sufficient quality to change the result of the 2020 general election in Arizona, according to Verity Vote. The findings were based on Maricopa County's official elections department records, which were withheld from a public records request for nearly seven months. The records showed 18,000 mail-in ballots received on November 4th, 1,000 received on November 5th, and 1,500 received on November 6th. The 18,000 mail-in ballots received on November 4th and subsequently counted represented a significant spike in ballots received higher than every single day total since October 29th, 2020. The receipt of mail-in ballots had steadily declined from 14,500 ballots on October 29th to 10,500 on October 30th to 6,000 on October 31st, 1,500 on November 1st, 1,000 on November 2nd, and 2,500 on November 3rd. So basically, most of the people who were voting by mail did so at least a few days before Election Day. And then all of a sudden, there was a massive spike after the end of the election. In the 2020 general election, 420,987 ballots failed signature verification standards. Thus, the election was openly vulnerable to fraud. According to an ongoing analysis conducted by We the People Arizona Alliance and presented to the state legislature. The initial analysis of 380,976 ballots using official state records and official signature verification training techniques 
identified 181,378 ballots that should not have been counted or nearly half of all reviewed. This includes 1,870 blank envelopes, some of which were approved on November 5th and November 8th, 542 with a signature other than the voter, 2,104 scribbles, 128 duplicate voters processed, 48,117 unreasonably different control signatures, 1,875 where the signature did not match until after the election, 36,034 control signatures that do not match the voter, 4,433 unusable control signatures, 47,366 that failed Secretary of State standards, and 38,909 egregious signature mismatches where not one point of a signature matched any on file. But hey, you gotta count all the votes, even if they are blatantly unlawful. I mean, you wouldn't want to disenfranchise the fake voters, would you? And people simply didn't give a shit. They were like, oh my God, someone's going to accuse me of telling the big lie. I had better remain silent about this problem forever. And oh, by the way, I'm doing it to preserve our democracy. I'm actually the good American and all of you people making the baseless claims with no evidence, you conspiracy theorists out there telling the big lie, you're the bad Americans. America's not even going to be a country anymore if we leave it up to you. Hey, everybody, it's a hate movement. In the case of 1,875 votes, the ballot envelopes did not have a signature match on election day, but matching signatures were later put on file for the voter on either January 28th, 2021, February 3rd, 2021, or February 8th, 2021. There were 783 signatures digitally inserted on February 3rd, 2021 alone. Since the findings were presented to the Arizona State Legislature, the number of egregious mismatches found has increased to 76,354, over seven times the election margin. This is an error rate of 9.3% of ballot envelopes reviewed. Throughout the signature verification analysis, which remains ongoing, Analysts have consistently found 20% do not meet the Secretary of State's standards, and 9% are egregious violations. Extrapolated to all 1.9 million mail-in ballots in 2020, 176,700 ballots, quote, should have been rejected for improper signature verification due to egregious signature mismatches. This is from the declaration of Shelby Bush in August of 2023. Maricopa County has no documented chain of custody for 740,000 ballots from the 2020 election. Out of the 923,000 early vote ballots accepted at vote centers or drop boxes, only 183,406 ballots are accounted for on ballot transport forms. 
More than 80% of the ballot transport forms have no ballot counts. So again, chain of custody broken for somewhere around 740,000 ballots. Without proper documentation of how many votes were cast at the time they were cast, it is impossible to verify the origin and true total of ballots in a given election. Without this count, there is no way to determine if the transport staff retrieved one ballot or a thousand ballots, according to Verity Vote. Keeping a proper chain of custody is more than a best practice. It is essential to encouraging trust in our democracy, according to the Election Assistance Commission. Of the 1,895 early vote ballot transport forms, 48 did not have the required two witness signatures attesting to the ballot transfer, including some with no witness signatures at all. As a result, the public is not assured that both parties witnessed the transfer of ballots as required. And so that is important because it has to be signed off on both parties involved in the transport, someone on the delivering end, someone on the receiving end. Millions of files of 2020 general election data and security logs were deleted from the elections management server and purged on critical days, including the day before the Arizona audit of the 2020 election began on February 2nd, 2021. And let's just make sure you caught that millions of files of 2020 general election data and security logs were deleted. Many of those on the day before the Arizona audit began. The Maricopa County Board of Supervisors admitted they purged the system and moved election data after they received a subpoena in testimony before the U.S. House of Representatives. And you can easily go watch that testimony. If memory serves, that was Bill Gates and Jack Sellers of the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors in that congressional testimony. Two precincts in Pima County had over 100% turnout for mail-in ballots, and 40 precincts had over 97% returned. The national mail-in ballot return rate was 71%, but in Pima County, the mail-in ballot return rate was 15% higher and 19% higher than all the counties combined in the entire state of Arizona. One precinct with 99.5% mail-in turnout had 9,812 ballots counted. Another precinct with 100.6% turnout had 2,182 ballots returned, but only 2,170 mail-ins were ever sent. These two precincts total 11,994 ballots, which alone is more than the margin needed to alter the outcome of the presidential election. In all, there were 264,000 votes from precincts in Pima County, with over 92% turnout for mail-in ballots. Significant anomalies were discovered for mail-in ballot returns in Pima County. In precincts with anomalous high turnout of over 92% in Pima County, mail-in ballots started flipping from 6% Republican for Biden to 40% of Republicans 
voting for Biden. The Election Integrity Group drew the vote, identified more than 202 ballot traffickers in Maricopa County who made 4,282 individual drop box visits during the 2020 general election. And that is about 21 trips on average per ballot trafficker. Two individuals were charged and pled guilty for ballot harvesting in Yuma County, Arizona during the 2020 primary election. A computer scientist testified that an algorithm similar to what is used in cruise control or self-driving cars was present affecting the early votes in Pima and Maricopa counties in the 2020 general election with the ability to, quote, reach and maintain a predetermined set point or outcome despite unplanned disturbances, end quote. So basically, the idea is it is going to smooth the total to whatever is supposed to be achieved, even if there are spikes here or there, like the way the cruise control in your car would go back to the desired speed, even if you had to brake and shift lanes because a car on the freeway halted in front of you, for instance. That same sort of algorithm was operating in the vote tabulation in Arizona. That is the claim here. Walter Doherty, a senior lecturer emeritus in the Department of Computer Science and Engineering at Texas A&M University, who developed courses in artificial intelligence, expert systems, programming and software design, analyzed the cast vote records, finding, quote, ballots in Maricopa County and Pima County were artificially processed through the tabulators, tracking a proportional integral derivative PID type control function in a closed loop feedback system. So weird that this expert computer scientist is just making all these baseless claims in his court testimony. Gosh, what a crazy crazy conspiracy theorist. He's even willing to tell the big lie in court. Dougherty, who has received over $2.8 million in grant funding and was previously consulted as a computer expert by the New York Times, Washington Post, IBM Federal Systems Division, the Texas Department of Agriculture, U.S. Customs Service, as well as classified work, discovered, quote, Significant and systematic decline in the cumulative ratio as counting progresses in the early mail-in and in-person votes for the presidential election results in Maricopa County and Pima County. For example, the quote, first block of ballots being 75% for a candidate the next block of ballots being 74% for a candidate, the next block of ballots being 73% for a candidate, and so on, systematically declining all the way to election day. Doherty's expert opinion is that the downward sloping line in the sequence that votes were recorded indicated a strong control. The cumulative ratio of Biden to Trump votes for all cast vote records before Election Day in recorded order for Pima County 
declines from over 300% to 157% by election day. And if I'm understanding that correctly, that means that the mail-in vote, which we are told is supposed to heavily favor Democrats, declined in systematic and controlled fashion in the ratio of Biden to Trump votes. Quote, such a uniform and predictable pattern is so statistically implausible that it would not occur without artificial manipulation, according to Doherty. The data's lack of independence cannot be explained by the preference of Democrats voting earlier than Republicans. Michigan. No one is to be punished for the crime or wrong of another. Michigan was called by 154,188 votes. A recorded 5,579,317 votes were cast and certified in Michigan in the 2020 general election, the highest turnout in 60 years. To date, Michigan has never shown 5,579,317 voters listed for the 2020 election in its qualified voter file, the state's database for all voter registration records. As of December 2023, Michigan has 271,566 more votes than the number of voters listed in its qualified voter file for November 3rd, 2020, more than one and a half times the election margin. In data obtained from the Secretary of State's office on nearly a monthly basis since the election, the most voters ever recorded in the qualified voter file was 5,511,303 voters in April 2021. This means Michigan's own election records showed 68,014 more votes than voters. However, the number of voters listed in the qualified voter file has been in flux ever since December 2020 and always short of the voters needed to reconcile the total votes cast. A complete list of voters from 2020 has never been provided. The number of voter IDs listed as voting in 2020 has steadily declined since February 2022. As of December 2023, there was a total of 5,307,751 voters listed as voting on November 3rd, 2020 in the qualified voter file. Voter history files continue to be removed from the record, resulting in 271,566 less vote history records than necessary to reconcile the results. Each month, voter histories from the 2020 election are being manipulated. Thousands of unique votes are removed from the voter history files and other unique votes added. Since December 2020, 270,559 voter histories for 2020 have been removed, while 103,128 have been added. 
individual voter histories are constantly changing, including the history of the state's Democrat governor, Gretchen Whitmer, whose voting history is missing votes throughout 2020. A complete list of voters was requested via a Freedom of Information Act request in December 2021 and took nine months for the state to fulfill. Two data sets were provided and neither matched. The first data set fell 22,146 voters short, while the second data set was 120,883 absentee ballots short. Democrats threatened Republicans on the Wayne County Board of Canvassers and doxed their children in order to certify the 2020 results. And we watched some of this happen on live video because their meeting was live streamed. Monica Palmer, then the chair of the Wayne County Board of Supervisors, cited the fact that 70% of Detroit's mail-in ballot counts were still, quote, out of balance and unexplained, end quote from the August primary as a reason why she initially voted against certifying the 2020 election results. Palmer was bullied and threatened and feared for her safety due to threats she received for voting no. A Democrat Michigan state representative elect attacked Palmer over her certification vote and revealed where her children went to school saying, I want you to think about what that means for your kids. Officials in Detroit illegally blocked Republican poll challengers access, covered the windows, called the cops and denied lawful challenges in order to count ballots in secret. Affidavits and video evidence revealed thousands of ballots were delivered through a back door at the TCF Center, the central counting facility in Detroit at 3.30 a.m. on election night. A report seeking to debunk issues of fraud released by the Michigan State Senate Oversight Committee confirmed a, quote, large volume of ballots were delivered to the TCF Center with no chain of custody in the middle of the night. An estimated 289,866 absentee ballots were identified as sent to people who never requested them something that would be illegal, according to the Senate committee. Mark Zuckerberg gave Michigan $16.8 million through his nonprofit Center for Tech and Civic Life. Detroit received $7.4 million to dramatically expand the vote for Democrats. The grants financed drop boxes, quote, to facilitate the return of absentee ballots, end quote, like the ones that came in in the TCF Center after midnight. The Election Integrity Group, True the Vote, uncovered the same pattern of widespread ballot trafficking between NGOs and ballot drop boxes in Michigan. Numerous instances of ballot stuffing were caught on camera in Detroit, including video where a woman can be seen going to a drop box and abruptly returning to her car after realizing the stack had no signatures. The woman then signs the ballots and deposits the illicit ballots she had just signed into the drop box. And I want to make sure that everyone notices the fact that these aren't just random citizens collecting ballots from their neighbors or family members and bringing them to the drop box. These are people affiliated with NGOs, non-governmental organizations. 
They are not doing what they're doing by mistake. They're not misunderstanding the law while trying to help out friends and family or their favorite candidate. They are blatantly ignoring and violating election law in order to steal the election for Joe Biden and other members of the Uniparty. While we are accustomed to seeing this as Democrat versus Republican and understanding that the Democrats set up this cheating operation in order for Democrats to win and Joe Biden, quote unquote, won. Republicans allowed this system to be implemented, know that it's happening, do not contest it. And therefore, you must understand that they're benefiting from it as well. Secretary Jocelyn Benson made unlawful changes to signature verification rules for absentee ballots, ordering election workers to presume all were legitimate. A judge ruled Benson's order was invalid, but not until months following the election, and just 0.1% of mail-in ballots were rejected in the November 2020 election for all signature issues. The rejection rate for mismatching signatures was just 0.04%, as only 1,400 out of 3.4 million ballots were rejected. Secretary Benson has lost in court six times for issues related to the 2020 election. A fraudulent voter registration scheme was discovered in October 2020 and documented in a police report in Muskegon County and hidden for nearly three years after the 2020 election. It is worth noting that the citations for all of these claims are listed in the footnotes of this report. This one in particular is the GBI strategies claims from back in August 2023. So you can go to this report and actually search down each and every one of these claims to get the background on them. All of these claims have been reported on extensively in quote unquote right leaning media. Not that anyone addicted to the central narrative as Ken Block clearly is, has ever known about this reporting or analysis or investigation or examined it. Nope. They have their evidence, which is some court decisions they don't know about, a statement from Chris Krebs, who they don't know about, a statement from Bill Barr that they don't know anything about, and their ever-present, supremely confident claim that if the election was stolen, we would know about it and something would have been done by now. Oh, yeah, you brilliant people who care so much would have totally known about it. How could I even consider doubting you? I mean, sure, you injected yourself with a toxic experimental substance that can't protect you from a disease that can't kill you because the TV said all the smart people were doing it and you'd get in trouble if you didn't. But I'm sure your election knowledge is on point. A city clerk in Muskegon witnessed a woman drop off between 8,000 and 10,000 voter registrations at the clerk office on October 8th, 2020, many appearing to be fraudulent. The incident was reported to the Muskegon Police Department one week later. 8,000 new voter registrations in Muskegon would amount to over 20% 
of the city's population of only 38,000 residents. How about that? One out of every five residents of this city went and gave a brand new voter registration to this one person. What are the chances? An ensuing investigation confirmed thousands of voter registrations in the same handwriting and many invalid or non-existent addresses. The suspect told Michigan State Police that she was being paid $1,150 per week to find unregistered voters and provide them with a form so they can get registered to vote or obtain their absentee ballot. The police found dozens of new phones and hundreds of prepaid payment cards during the investigation. Hundreds of prepaid payment cards. You know what that makes me think of? That makes me think of the entire summer of 2020 and beyond when COVID money was sent out in the form of debit cards and then collected. And all of a sudden, people who never had money before were going on spending sprees on Rodeo Drive in Los Angeles. Kind of makes you wonder how they incentivize all those BLM people. And of course, there were videos of people going into mail rooms in apartment buildings and coming out with all sorts of prepaid cards. And there are reports of just astronomical levels of fraud in terms of the distribution of that COVID money. I have had my eye on that for three and a half years now, and I am still pretty confident I'm going to turn out right about something that would have been considered in 2020 to be a ridiculous conspiracy theory, an absolute long shot claim, the kind of thing only crazy people might actually say out loud. But here I am crazy and right about all of this stuff three and a half years later. Gosh, I'm so crazy. A Department of State analyst consulted in the investigation confirmed a quantity of voter applications were, quote, clearly fraudulent and others were, quote, highly suspicious, having either erroneous or missing key pieces of information. Others appeared to be legitimate. The organization behind the scheme was GBI Strategies, a firm hired by numerous Democrat campaigns. GBI Strategies was funded by a super PAC called Black PAC, which paid the firm $11,254,919 to register voters for Joe Biden in 2020. Employees of GBI Strategies were paid $15 an hour or $120 a day, according to the police report. GBI Strategies was believed to be operating not just in Muskegon, but throughout Michigan and in other swing states. Isn't that incredible? Creating voter registrations is big business. How does that increase election integrity? How does that help to maintain faith in our democracy? Why is that sort of thing even allowed? We have our minds totally mixed up about our elections. There is nothing good about going out and registering voters who don't want to vote and don't want to register and don't care. But it's even worse than that because they're just creating fraudulent registrations as well. Democrat Attorney General Dana Nessel's office 
contacted the Muskegon Police Department and asked Michigan State Police to assist with a joint investigation. The Michigan Police then turned their investigation over to the FBI. Andrew Kloster, Deputy General Counsel at the United States Office of Personnel Management during the Trump administration, said he was made aware of the investigation into GBI strategies before the 2020 election and attempted to raise the issue for further investigation. He was informed there were, quote, standing orders not to deal with election matters, end quote, in the offices of the White House counsel and Attorney General Bill Barr. The investigation was not made public until 2023 after the police reports were obtained through a Michigan Freedom of Information Act request. So that's the report. Almost all of this is old news, stuff that's been around for a while. It is wonderful that this is all being put out in the same statement so that it can just be easily read through. These are now well-established, well-evidenced, well-argued claims presented in a very clean format. This is not particularly complicated stuff. Some of it is a little newer, like those GBI claims from August. But most of this, as you can clearly see, is information that was known immediately following the election. This evidence has always been available. It has not been debunked. They make all sorts of other claims about it, that it doesn't matter, that it's a moot point. The judges didn't even try these cases because they didn't care about the evidence. That wasn't why. But these claims are not debunked. And think about them in comparison to what Ken Block has said. All he has said is that the claims aren't true. Based on his methods, he found no fraud. And he is just saying that Trump continues to lie about all these claims. That article was put out yesterday for a reason. It's because this report was coming out yesterday. On one side, the smart, very serious side, they just talk about how stupid and dishonest Donald Trump is, how his claims were all fraudulent, Rudy, Sidney Powell, all of them just ridiculous, absurd claims. There's no proof anywhere. Oh, there's like nine voters who are all rich and had multiple properties and they voted from both of them. That's the real voter fraud from 2020. But that's not the case. That is preposterous. This is the information. It has been available for the whole time. None of these elections should have ever been certified. The certification of these elections was itself an act of fraud. Fraud vitiates everything. The only way to fix this is to remove Joe Biden, strike down absolutely everything he has done, obviously, and hold each and every person responsible for this or involved in it in any way accountable to the fullest extent of the law up to and including trying them all for treason and punishing them in the appropriate fashion. I have been saying this since December of 2020, and my position has not changed. And yes, I do believe that this includes probably 95% or more of all of the elected officials in this country. Anyone involved in the theft of elections, anyone who is knowingly serving in a public office as the result of stolen elections should be dealt with 
as harshly as possible. If you cannot take a stand on this, where can you take a stand? The vote is one of the most important aspects of our freedom of speech. This is our ultimate political expression, or it is meant to be. And we need to grapple with the fact that we have been systematically denied that right, not only for a few years, but for a long time, maybe for the duration of this country's history. And that absolutely must be rectified before we can move forward. There is no higher issue of political consequence in this country than this one. And it should tell you something very important about each and every politician who has ignored this issue for the last three plus years. More of the country understands the truth of these claims all the time. There is no way to put that genie back in the bottle. It is actually a mark of one's character how they respond to this. People who deny this without looking into it, people who take the position that nothing can be done or that nothing should be done, these people will eventually own everything that has happened in this period of time. Election fraud deniers are Joe Biden's most ardent supporters, and it doesn't matter if they're the people in the Ron DeSantis camp pretending to fight wokeness and save the country by helping the regime dispose of Donald Trump and his supporters forever. Those are Biden supporters. Those are the strongest Biden supporters. Those people are supporting the Uniparty's usurpation of this country because they wanted Donald Trump and his supporters to go away. That's all there is to it. There isn't something deeper than that. They wanted people who they believe to be less than them to shut up and take it and stop bothering them. Now, I want to take a second and just go through these quotes at the beginning of the report and the beginning of each state segment, just so that we can get kind of the moral argument behind this, the philosophy behind it. The first quote, out of fraud, no action arises. It is a fraud to conceal a fraud. All law has either been derived from the consent of the people, established by necessity, confirmed by custom, or of divine providence. Wrong is wiped out by reconciliation. That which was originally void does not by lapse of time become valid. And that does sound a whole lot like fraud vitiates everything. And then finally, no one is to be punished for the crime or wrong of another. Also worth noting before we go, that while this report is only focused on those five quote unquote swing states, That is by no means the totality of election fraud in this country. I cannot be 100% certain that there is no state that had a certifiable election, but I would be very confident in betting that that was true, that no state should have certified its election because of the lawlessness that exists in every state in this union. Our elections are illegitimate. They're all illegitimate. These so-called anomalies and irregularities are not accidental. They're not isolated. They are not random. They are systematic. 
They are put in place specifically to rig the outcomes of elections. The facts presented in this report mean irrefutably that Donald Trump had reason to contest the results of the elections while he was president. It would have been an abdication of his duty not to. And he has made that claim quite clearly in the Jack Smith filings. The truth of these claims wipes out the Fannie Willis case and the Jack Smith J6 election fraud case immediately. And of course, the prosecutors bringing the charges already know that we do not have to pretend the other side doesn't know the truth about our elections. They're the ones who steal them. The only way they can win these cases is through these kangaroo courts they have set up. They want illegitimate decisions to go in their favor because they are trying to create a public relations blitz about how Donald Trump cannot be president under any circumstances. Do you really think they believe these cases will lead to convictions that will be held up on appeals in any legitimate system? Of course not, but they don't care. They don't care about the evidence. They don't care about the law and they don't care about the damage being done to the country. They are exploiting a fully infiltrated and corrupted system in every way they can imagine, because if they fail, it is all over for them. And that is where we are headed. I will be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!